Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Northridge Church. Really glad to see all of you in the room. And I just want to say to those of you online who are watching, listening online, thank you for engaging that way. And if you are online and you haven't been here yet, we look forward to meeting you soon. Maybe that's scary for you, but we would love that. Um, and so uh, we are going to get into it today. Maybe you sense that. Maybe you feel that. I feel that a little bit with our worship. It's been so good. So praiseworthy, so heavy almost, a little bit, I feel. And, uh, and so uh, before I get into it today, I just, uh, maybe this is, again, I always say this sometimes, but maybe this is just for me, but I feel like maybe this is for the room as well, because today is tough. Um, it's one of those topics, that it's not easy to receive, um, and so I, I think we just need to make sure that we're ready, okay? And maybe I need to make sure I'm ready. Um, so let's pray. And uh, we'll get into it. Lord, I've been praying this all morning. May you saturate and permeate and infiltrate this space right now. I pray if there's any barrier here this morning to what we're about to talk about. I pray against it in the name of Jesus. That you would help us to be open and surrendered to what you have to say. Because we're all going to receive this and hear this a little bit differently. May you rule and reign and infiltrate every aspect of this space, every person in this space. We pray this and ask this in your name, the matchless name of Jesus. Amen. All right. What if I were to tell you that I knew the answer, the reason for every fight, every conflict, and almost every bad decision you've ever made? <laughs> How many of you are like, woo, let's talk about that. That sounds good. Well, that's what I'm going to give you today. And let me just tell you, that's a bold statement, isn't it? That I would know the reason I would give you the answer for almost all of your fights, all of your conflict, all the, almost all the bad decisions you've ever made. I can give you the reason for that. What caused that to happen? That's a bold statement, isn't it? And it's going to be ironic when I tell you what the answer to that is. You know what the answer is? Some of you are already ahead of me. You're already down the tracks. You're already there with me. The answer is very simply, pride. Yay, we get to talk about pride today. Pride is one of those things that we all know fully exists in our world, but something that we do not want to acknowledge. So we're in a series called Killing What's Killing You. We are talking about things that are trying to take you out and things that we need to take out before it takes you out. And let me just tell you that this is the big dog in the series. This is, of all the things that we've talked about, everything that we've talked about, this is the root, this is the foundation, this is the big piece, this is the one that if we don't get rid of this, everything's going to grow out of this. Pride. Arrogance. Bravado. Isn't this going to be fun today? You ready for that? 
The truth is, though, we have to talk about this. Now, I, I have to be honest with you. I was going a very different route with this message than what I originally, than, than how I landed the plane at the end of this week. I was doing research. I, was, I knew it was going to be on pride. I knew, I knew all that. And, and so I was kind of going a direction. I had my, my scripture, I thought, was pretty much set. I had it picked out. It was in the book of James. And then I was doing more research, and I came across this sermon by this guy named Pastor Matt Chandler. It's a guy that I follow fairly loosely online. He's a pastor at the Village Church in, uh, in Texas. And I was listening to this sermon and God just did something in me as I was listening to that. And I realized that the points that he made were the points that I needed to hear and were the points that I needed to share today. Basically, that's what happened. It was not the plan. It was at the very end of the week. And so I kind of adjusted course completely. And so um, what I'm about to share with you is the scripture that I chose, but it's not the points that I chose out of this scripture. Uh, Pastor Matt Chandler shared these three points, and I changed them quite a bit, to be honest, and added a lot of other stuff that he didn't share. Um, but some of the, most of the, all the main points and a couple of the ideas come from him. So if you love this sermon today, you should check it out. Uh, it's online, Matt Chandler. It's like 10 years ago. Actually, that sermon was 10 years ago. It was a while ago. Um, and if you don't like it, then, well, it's Matt Chandler's fault because it's his points. Okay? <laughs> there you go. See how I softly pass the buck? <laughs> Maybe that's pride. <laughs> The truth is, though, we're going to dig into it. We're going to get into it. And so what I want to do is I want to give you the main scripture passage. I'm actually only going to read it one time, but I'm going to refer back to it. You're going to have to kind of connect the dots as we go through this with these different points, okay? So this comes from the book of James. James is the brother of Jesus. He lived and existed and grew up with Jesus as his older brother. And just so you know, James and all of his other brothers, Jesus' brothers, they did not actually believe he was the Messiah until after he resurrected from the grave. His own family, siblings, did not believe in him until after he resurrected. And then James became a powerful believer and then wrote one of the books in the New Testament. So he obviously shifted course. And he writes this about us as followers of Christ, and he digs in and he tackles this pride issue from a very interesting way, okay? So I'm going to start by reading James chapter 4, and we're going to be in verses 13 through 17, all right? This is our main verse, and it's coming out of the NIV. Here we go. James writes, now listen. Notice he's trying to get your attention. You who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting, pride, is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. These are tough words from James. Now you kind of wonder, like, did Jesus and James get along? Because that was kind of harsh. 
You know, that little brother kind of a thing? I don't know. But these are words spoken to us as followers of Jesus. And he's calling us out and he's saying, hey, you guys, and, 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 and this is kind of one of those things where, like, we should ask this question, I think, today. How do I identify pride in my life? You guys realize, I hope you realize, there is pride in your life. There's pride in my life. The people closest to me know it. Like they, they identify. They know that I struggle with pride at times. They know that because they're so close to me. They see me in all of the good times and all the bad and everything in between. And so they see pride come out at times. All of us have pride in our life. And so the question today becomes, how do we identify pride in our life? How do I identify it? And then how do I get rid of it? How do I keep it at bay? How do I control it? How do I put it in a box and, and keep it out of my life? How do I identify it? How do I control it? The points that Pastor Matt Chandler made uh, tackles that question. And so I'm going to give you three points today of how we can identify pride in your life, how you can recognize it and then get rid of it. Okay, point number one. How do we stay aware and keep it out? You need to know where you stand. You need to know where you stand. Where do you rank in this life and with God? Okay? Now, let's go back to that James passage. What did James say at the very beginning of that? He said, you who say, I'm going to go here, I'm going to go to this city, I'm going to do this, I'm going to make this money, I'm going to do these things. Now, some of you right away, right out of the gate, I'm guessing, are saying, so I can't make any plans? Is that what you're thinking? Like, wow, this is really hard. Like, I can't, I can't make any plans in life. That's not what James is saying. <laughs> so if you guys have a plan for work tomorrow and you're like, well, forget that. It's prideful. You show up to your boss and be like, I know you had a meeting scheduled, but we don't need to because that's prideful. <laughs> and so I'm not coming. <laughs> Probably shouldn't do that. That might be uh, the, the wrong side of pride as well. The truth is, no, James is not saying planning is not good or is bad. What he's saying is that if you are making plans without God, that's prideful. If you're keeping plans that you made, even when you know God is changing them or wants to change them, that's arrogant. He's not saying plans are bad. He's saying plans are bad if we made them without God and we don't care what God has to say about them. Does that make sense? And so we need to know where we stand. Now, let's talk about where we stand. So let, let's, let's talk about God and let's talk about us. Okay, let, let's, let's start with God, okay? God is omniscient. You know what omniscient means? It means he's all-knowing. He literally knows everything about you. He knows where you're going to go to lunch today. Some of you don't know that, but God knows that. He knows what you're going to eat. He knows how, what it's going to do to you a few hours later. God knows all that. He knows everything. He knows everything that's ever happened. He knows everything that's happening. He knows everything that's going to happen. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's also omnipresent, which means he's here with us today. He's also with every other church. He's also in every other home. He's everywhere. He is in every nook and cranny of the universe. He's omnipresent. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. And he's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful. There is nothing that compares to God's power. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-everywhere, all the time, powerful, huge, amazing, you can't fathom. Okay, that's God. Okay? Then there's us. 
here we are. We know, well, not much, especially compared to God. You realize that we know less about the bottom of the ocean than we do about some of the stuff in the solar system, and we know very little about the solar system. That's on our own planet. And God's like, seriously, there's a lot to know. We don't know anything. And I don't know about you, but isn't this, how many of you have James 4 on your wall? Because you love reading, your life is a mist. It's a vapor. You're here today, gone tomorrow. Yay! Uh, In the NLT, you know what it says? You're the morning fog. How many of you love morning fog? No, you don't. You're like, ugh, morning fog. And then what happens in an hour or two? The morning fog is gone. That's our life. Here today, gone tomorrow. Isn't that great? Isn't that just encouraging? Put this on the wall. Your life, you should put it by the front door so when people show up, they know where they rank with you. You know what? Take off your shoes. Your life is a mist. No, we don't like to hear that. But this is not James communicating your value. He's communicating your rank with God. When you compare yourself to an eternal, all-knowing, omniscient, all-powerful, amazing, huge God, your life is a mist. It's a vapor. It's a morning fog. It's here today, gone tomorrow, compared to God. It doesn't mean you're insignificant. It doesn't mean that you're not valuable. You are. You were created by God. He wouldn't create something insignificant and unvaluable. He created you. You are amazing. So don't think that this is communicating the value of your life. He's just communicating how you rank according to God's life. And if you have a problem with that, that's one identifier of pride. If you're like, oh, back up there, Pastor. I mean, I may not be God, but I'm close a little bit of arrogance peeking up. And I know that we wouldn't say that, but sometimes we act that way, don't we? Let me me help us understand the rank in the room. Sometimes, okay, here's the hard part of pride. Sometimes pride is disguised, it's packaged as other things, and so we don't recognize it as pride. Let Let me give you two examples of this. One way that pride is packaged sometimes is as confidence. We use the word confidence for pride. Now, Please understand, don't read between the lines. I'm not saying that confidence is bad. You're like, confidence is bad? Planning is bad. Confidence is bad. Everything is bad. No, 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 no. Planning is good. Bible's really clear. Proverbs. Read Proverbs. It talks about planning like all the time. Very wise. Okay? Confidence. Confidence in Christ. Confidence in your faith. Confidence in who God made you to be. Absolutely a good thing. I'm not saying confidence is bad. I'm saying misplaced confidence is bad. Let me give you an example. Let's say that I am taking a tour of NASA, okay? I mean, actual NASA, you know, where they build rockets to go into space, okay? And I'm on a tour, and I slip away from the tour. I end up in the coffee lounge, okay, at a table. And there's three to four rocket scientists. I mean, literal rocket scientists. They make rockets, okay? And they're having coffee. They're just out on a break time. But while they're having coffee, they're talking about the problem that they're trying to solve, all these amazing physics and numbers and all that stuff and they're just talking about all these things and how they need to get this rocket from earth to the you know to mars or wherever and they're having this amazing discussion they're talking about stuff that you know i'm like wow i'm just sitting there and i just sit down i just listen for like five minutes and then after about five minutes i realize you know i want to interject some of my wisdom into the table because i'm a pastor (laughs) i know something 
and, and I have something to give. And so I speak up and say, hey guys, you know, I've been listening for about five minutes. Sounds like you have some pretty complex problems. Um, so I just wanted you guys to know, I built a rocket in sixth grade out of a cardboard tube. <laughs> no, I did. I really did. And do you know how far it went? It went up like 80 feet. <laughs> and the parachute worked and it came back down. It didn't even break. Like, it was amazing. And so I have something to offer. I, I think I can help you guys out. Now, what do we all recognize that as? Pure arrogance. Misplaced confidence, for sure. I mean, those scientists are going to look at me like, no, really, you're a complete idiot. <laughs> I'm glad you built your rocket in sixth grade. <laughs> this is a little more complex than that. The truth is we recognize that type of arrogance. Sometimes arrogance is misplaced confidence. It's where we think we are here and we need to understand we are here. I'm, I'm here. No, you're not. You're here. Because this is God. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, everything. Knows every plan that you should ever have and ever make. And we're here. And we see like at this level and God is seeing everything. Sometimes we just need to understand where we stand, where we rank. But then can I tell you that there's also another side of pride that we pretty much never think about. It's really subtle. In fact, this may shock us to the core because you've never thought of pride in this way. We, we get the arrogant, like me sitting with rocket scientists and sharing my knowledge of my sixth grade, you know, rocket project. That's arrogance. That's just dumb. That's obvious. But what if pride is packaged, is disguised as false humility? You know what false humility is? False humility is when we say things like, God could never use me. I can't read the Bible. It's, it's too hard. I can't pray for somebody because I haven't learned, I never went to seminary. I didn't learn how to do it right. False humility is when we tell God, okay, God, I know you maybe want me to do something, but you've got the wrong person. I can't do that. I'm not capable. The problem with that is this. Okay? Well, let, let, let me just say this. This is really important. God has a way of using weak, unqualified, not ready, scared to death people to do amazing things. He just does. He has a way of doing that. He does it all the time. In fact, this whole book is about people who were not ready, were not qualified, were scared to death, could not do it, did not have a clue, and God said, oh, but I have gotten a hold of you, and watch what we can do together. Let me ask you this question. If you wanted to change the world, let me just kind of illustrate this. If you wanted to change the world, how many of you would say, I need a small group of people to change the world? Small group of people, and this is who I need. I need mostly professional fishermen and, and a couple of IRS agents. 
I'm going to change the world, and I need professional fishermen and a couple of IRS agents. That's what I need. You guys know where I'm going with this, right? The 12 disciples, what were they? Professional fishermen and tax collectors. And Jesus changed the world. They were not educated. They were not knowledgeable. They did not have a clue. They messed up all the time. They fought together. They were selfish. They were prideful. Jesus had to say, get behind me, Satan, to one of them. You remember that, right, Peter? He's, he's like, guys, what are you doing? They, at one point, they were fighting and say, Jesus, can, when we get to your kingdom, can I sit on the right side and my brother sit on the left? In other words, we want to be the best. These other guys are okay, but we want to be the best. Pride, arrogance, oh my goodness, they were overflowing with it. And Jesus changed the world with those guys. And you think God can't use you? Ha! Prideful is what it is. It's prideful. And I know you're like, ah. That sounds like, you know, like lack of confidence. No, it's pride. Because when we tell God, you can't use me, you're accusing God of getting it wrong. You're saying to God, no, you don't understand. You can't, no, I can't do that. And God's saying, uh, yeah, you can. And by the way, I created you. <laughs> so I actually know really well. I just need you to get past yourself. You see how pride can really push God away? It can keep God stiff-armed, keeping at bay. Our pride can do that. The truth is, we need to know where we stand. And that's, how, that's why James starts that way. He says, you're making these plans, you're doing all these things. He said, no, that's boastful, that's arrogant. You need to consider what is God saying to you about this? What is, what is God trying to say to you about these things? So we need to know where we stand. Okay, uh, by the way, before I move on, ah, I just, I've got so many, I need to rein it in. <laughs> you remember last week we talked about Moses? You remember Moses? We talked about all the excuses that he had because he's scared to death to do what God wanted him to do. He didn't believe that God, he could do what God wanted him to do, but he did. Why? Because he had God. Okay, so that's, it was Moses, it was pride that was speaking. I didn't get into that because I knew we were going to get into it today. But hear me on this. Do you know when God got angry with Moses? Did you know God gets angry? God gets angry, okay? Newsflash, some of you are like, that's the first time. I, I thought he was just loving. He is loving, and he can be angry too because he's perfectly loving and perfectly just. He's both perfectly you know when God got angry with Moses? It wasn't because he was unqualified. It wasn't because he was scared. It wasn't because of any of those things. It's when Moses told God, I just don't think I can do this. I, I can't do this. Send somebody else. I don't want to do that. God got angry with him. You know why? Because it was pride. God was saying, Moses, get over yourself and go. I'm going to help you speak. I'm going to do this. I'm going to send your brother with you. Like, how much more do I have to tell you? You're going to free the Israelites from slavery, Moses. And I'm going to be with you to do it. Pride. We've got to identify it. We've got to get rid of it. Because if we don't, pride pushes God away from our life. Okay. <sighs> got to move on, Brent. Okay. Speaking to myself. Let's go. 
All right? Know where you stand. Okay, number two. I love this point from Pastor Matt Chandler. This is this was maybe partly why I just leaned into this because this is so good because it, it just feels like light and airy and easy and yet it's so critical to this to this whole thing of pride. Um, the second point is you need to stay curious. I love what Pastor Matt Chandler says about this. I don't know if this is his own definition or if he got this definition from somebody else, but he says this about curiosity. He says. What is curiosity? He said, it's simply this. It is playful acknowledgement that you don't know something. (laughs) Think about that. Isn't that cool? I've never heard that. That blew my mind when he said that. It is playful acknowledgement that you don't know something. How many of you like to admit that you don't know something? I never like to admit that. Like ever curiosity is just, oh man, and I'm a teacher and a learner at heart, so I love to learn, but sometimes pride gets the best of me, and I'm like, no, I'd, I'd prefer just to act like I do know. This is why everybody, when you hear a joke in a room, everybody laughs. Only about half of the people got it. Everybody else is just laughing because they're like, oh, that was funny, okay. <laughs> why? Because we don't want to feel like we didn't know. That's pride. Arrogance is everywhere. How fun is that? But we got to stay curious. For example, uh, so this is several years ago. Laura and I and our kids were sitting in the living room and we were getting ready to watch a movie, but we didn't know what movie. Sometimes we sit down, we know what we're going to do. We know what game we're going to play, you know, whatever. Sometimes we have to wrestle it out, you know. Not literally, well, sometimes maybe, but, but not literally. But we're trying to kind of figure out what we're going to watch together. There's a family, and we have to get everybody on the same page. And so we're not getting there. It's just a struggle. And so finally, I remember this movie from my kid days. <laughs> my kid days, which was a long time ago. Okay? We're talking the 80s. <laughs> That's a long time ago. As, as my kids would say, that was the 1900s, Dad. Yes, it was. <laughs> this movie was made in the 1980s. Now, I'm just curious, and I threw this out there. and was like, hey, guys, I actually have a movie that I think will be kind of fun for us to watch. It's not going to be your favorite movie, but it'll be fun to watch. And, and let me just see how many of you remember this movie. You remember this movie, Flight of the Navigator. How many of you remember that movie? How many of you have seen this movie, willing to admit it? Okay, there's a handful of you. Okay, if you haven't seen it, I'm not sure how you still do life. I don't, it's just, it's sad. I'm, I'm sorry for you. Okay. Flight of the Navigator. I brought this up, and here's what I saw for my children. The, the amount of curiosity was underwhelming. <laughs> really underwhelming. I got side eyes, eye rolls, and dad. That's what I got. Because why? Because dad brought up a movie from his childhood. It's going to suck. going to be terrible. This is going to be a waste of two hours of our life. So we find, I finally convinced them, I'm like, no, 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 I really think that this will probably be a fun movie. Well, honestly, here's, here's what happened. The bar was so low at that point for them that actually when we were done watching it, they were like here, they're like, huh, Dad, I was, that wasn't too bad. <laughs> we, they actually kind of enjoyed it. Okay, good. But the truth is that why did they kind of lean it? Because there was at least enough curiosity to say, ah, okay, we'll try it. 
The same is true with Jesus, isn't it? Think about all the times when Jesus is wandering around and walking around and teaching and doing all the things he's doing in the Bible. What happens? People crowd around him like crazy. Why? Because they're curious. Like, I need to know more about this guy. I need to hear him. I need to know what he's about. I need to know what he wants me to do. I need to see what he does. This is amazing. They were curious. And my question to you is, are you still curious about God? Or have you kind of like drifted into, eh, I believe in him, I'll pray every now and then? Or are you curious about who he is, about what he wants, about what he's calling you to do, about who he's calling you to be? Are you curious? What questions do you have about God, about the Bible, about faith, about the universe, about eternity? What questions do you have? You have questions, I know you do. Are you curious? Are you seeking answers to those questions? Stay curious. It will help identify where you have pride in your life because if you're not curious, that's prideful. And, and the more curiosity you have, the more you're gonna learn about God. And the more you learn about God, the more you're gonna realize where you stand with God. And the more you know about him, the more you realize you don't know. And that's good. Humility starts to creep in and pride starts to take a back seat. That's a good thing. All right, we gotta keep going. Number three. We need to recognize this. This is really important. You need others. You need other people. You were created this way. You need other people people. Um, the Apostle Paul gives this perfect illustration for how the church, the body of Christ, should operate, should work. And I want to read it for you. It's kind of a longer passage. Hang with me. There's one point in this whole thing. And if you, in fact, let me just give it to you ahead of time before I read it. There's one body, many parts. Many parts, one body. He's going to say it over and over again. Listen to what he says. This is talking about us. It's talking about the church and us as followers of Christ and how we have to operate, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to read verse 12 and then 14 through 21. Listen to what he says. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I am not a part of the body because I am not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I am not a part of the body because I am not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if your whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? Some of you are like, uh, I don't know if I need to smell too much, like. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Do you see, what the Apostle Paul is telling us is he's helping us to understand that you are an individual person. You are an individual part. You have a personality. You have strengths. You have gifts. You have abilities. And your strengths are different than my strengths. And my strengths are different than your strengths. And you have weaknesses that I don't have. And I definitely have weaknesses that you don't have. And that's 
designed that way because we're all part of one body, the body of Christ, but we're many parts. And when we say to God, you can't use me, I'm not in this, I'm not a part of it, I'm not going to be curious, I don't care what you want to do with my plans, I have my own plans. When we do that, it's like we lose an ear, we lose a hand, we lose a foot, we lose parts of the body, we lose parts of body of Christ that is supposed to function and operate together. Do you know why you're here? You're a part of this church because God wanted you to be a part of this church. Some of you are like, no, I found you guys online through Google. Do you think God can kind of control what you find and how you get through Google? For sure. You are here because God has a reason for you here. As the body of Christ. We need extroverts, we need people, people, and we need introverts, people that are like, I'd rather just stay home all the time. Some of you are here and you're like, yeah, that, that sounds good. And some of you are like, oh, that sounds terrible. What are, when are we doing the next thing? You know, and these people make these people tired. Just thinking about these people. We need both of you. You're like, well, church is full of people. Yeah, it is, but it's okay. We have all kinds of stuff behind the scenes, background that you never see. We had so much going on in this room just about uh, an hour and a half ago, setting up, doing some things. We were even testing some new things that nobody even is aware of right now. <laughs> I'm smiling at the person that did it. We have all these things going on. It's okay. We have extroverts. We have introverts. We have people that are mechanical and you can do and fix and make things with your hands. And then we have people like me that are like, that's terrible. Uh, can I just talk to somebody? We need both of those types of people. We need people who are like, they are knowledgeable. They have so much knowledge about the Bible. They know everything there is to know about the Bible. And then we need people that don't know very much at all about the Bible, but they are willing to learn. We have people that are willing to pray out loud and boldly and confidently. And we have people that, ah, uh, they're just learning. They're just starting to figure that out. That's okay. That's all right. But the, what's not all right is for us to put God at arm's length and say, ah, uh, I've, I've got this. Arrogance. Or, God, I can't, you can't use me. I, I, I'm not good enough for this. Say what? God needs us to operate as the body. And what happens is pride gets in the way of that. It pushes God out of what he wants to do in our life and through our life. It pushes him out, shoves him out, keeps him at bay. So as I was researching pride, as I was digging into scripture and just reading a lot about it. You know what kept coming up? There was a specific word that kept coming up over and over and over again. In fact, I was going to do a little study on the Greek word that is in, the, in that passage in James that I read, but I decided not to do that. But this Greek word, when people were describing this Greek word, and we're talking people from the 1800s, people in the 1900s, people just, you know, in the last few years, and Again and again and again, you know what the word that kept coming up with pride and arrogance? There was a word that was attached to it when they were describing this Greek word. And that word was empty. 
So when I was in elementary school, I remember there was this kid who was very prideful. Um, I just remember that because, I don't know, he, just, he was just very arrogant. He boasted all the time about what he could do, who he was, all kind of stuff. And this was elementary school, right? So, I don't know, third, fourth grade, maybe, something like that. And one day, he wanted all, us, all of us to play a game with him. And he had created this game. He had made up this game. And we were playing this game, but I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but as we went through the game, he started to not win as much because he had created the game. So he was really good at it because he had made it, right? And so as we went on, he started to change or add rules so that he could win. You know what I'm talking about? And some of you are like, oh yeah, I remember that. I remember those kids. Some of you are like, hey, I was that kid. <laughs> I was the one doing that. Okay, so there's this kid and he's making up all these rules and he's, and he's constantly doing this so he can win. But you know what happened? We all left him because we did not want to be around the pride and the arrogance of that kid. We wanted nothing to do with that. And so we all slowly fizzled away. And, and you know what was awful about it? Two things. I remember, I still remember to this day, I was in like third or fourth grade, whatever it was, I still remember that my heart hurt and felt empty as I walked away from him. I felt awful. But I knew I had to do it because it was not right. And I remember looking back, I can't even remember what I was playing, four square or kickball or something. I, I went on to something else. And I looked back and he was basically just standing there by himself the rest of the recess. Pride begins with emptiness and it ends in emptiness. It begins and ends with emptiness. It's awful. You don't want anything to do with it. And so we're going to end in a very powerful way. Uh, we're going to end with a song like we normally do. But um, this song we're going to invite you to sing together with us. But um, pride is one of those things that pushes God out. And I just want to ask you this question. What if... What if the main barrier between God pouring out his blessing on your life and in your life is actually arrogance? What if pride is actually the one thing that's putting a stiff arm up to God? Some of you are maybe aware of it. Some of you are just becoming aware of it. You've got a stiff arm out to God. You're like, no. I believe in you. I'm going to pray to you sometimes, but I need you to stay there. Let me be clear. God is powerful enough to bless you at arm's length, but he probably won't. Not because he doesn't love you, but because he does. And he's not going to bless pride. He's not going to bless arrogance. He just won't do it. He's not going to be like, yeah, I'll bless that. Nope. And so we're going to end. In fact, I want to invite the, the worship team to go ahead and come on up. I know this is unplanned. I'm sorry, guys. Just go with me.
but, but I, just, I need you to hear this. This is so important. If you walked in with any ounce of pride, then this is hard for you. You're like, I'm better than this. No, you're not. No, actually, you're not. And neither am I, just so you know. I'm not, I'm not standing on a, a pedestal here, and I'm like, well, I, I'm a little better because I'm talking to you about it, but you guys definitely are. That's not, no, we're all in the same boat. We're in the same problem, the same mess. We all have arrogance. We all have pride. We've all pushed God away. I've pushed God away. I've pushed God away this week. I'm not going to get into it, but I did. I do that, and I'm, ah, I'm frustrated about it. Why? Because I know I put God at arm's length and then he wants to pour out blessings. He's like, Brent, you gotta, I love you, but I'm not gonna bless that. I'm not gonna bless that. And the, and the truth is, we're, we're about to sing a song that you guys know well now. We've sung it a few times. It's been a long time since we sung this song. But we're gonna, we're gonna sing the blessing. We're gonna sing it together. But here's what my hope is. My hope is Throughout these next few minutes, as we land the plane with the song, my prayer is that this room is flushed out of pride. That it leaves this space, because some of you are still struggling with it. Ah, oh, I'm better than what you're saying. No, you're not. <laughs> you're not. Just trust me on that. When it comes to God, he's holy. He's so much better than we are. And we need to resonate with that and get straight with that and believe that so that he can dump blessing into our life like crazy because he's like, oh man, you just emptied yourself of the pride, which is keeping you empty anyway. And now I'm going to fill you with all this stuff that you had no clue that I could ever bring to your life. You've got to put your hands down and you've got to stop stiff-arming God and you have to trust. My plans are not as good as God's plans. I'm not as big as God is. You gotta let it down. You gotta let your guard down. Break down the walls and let God pour blessing on you, on you and your family and your kids and everything. My hope is in these next few minutes as we sing this together, we want you to sing. We want you to sing out loud. Lift your hands, get on your knees, whatever you have to do. I don't care what you have to do. You can run around the room. We're not kind of that kind of church. But if you have to run, run. If you have to fall to your knees and it hurts because it's a gym floor, I hear you. Do what you have to do to respond to God today and receive the blessing that he wants to give to you. Because God is the only thing we need. It's everything we need. The question is, will you receive him? Will you receive the blessing that he has for you? I'm not even going to pray. I'm not going to pray. I'm, I'm just going to walk off. But I hope that as I walk off, you're ready. You're ready to get on your knees, either physically or proverbially or whatever way that you need to and offer yourself to God and say, God, whatever it is, whatever you want to do, I'm, gonna, I'm ready to receive the blessing for myself, for my kids, for everybody around. I'm ready to receive it. Pride has, no longer has a place in my life. I'm done with arrogance.
want to walk off, do what you need to do with God.